Hello and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. I'm Sammy Hadjassad and with me is Benjamin Hunting. Greet the people listening, uh, Ben. Greetings, everybody. Greetings to everybody, and not just our human listeners this time. Ben is saying hello to even the censors of the robots who are paying attention to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. Now, for those who are uncertain of what we do here, well, we talk about cars. Ben is an automotive journalist, and for some reason, he thinks I am one, too. And uh, Well, what that's do- what it says on your tax for tax returns every year, isn't it? Like, Sammy Hajasad, <laughs> automotive journalist, take all of my money. Yeah, it's uh, I mean, it's a it's a fun little tax thing that we do with the government and uh, it work, it's been working out in my favor so far. People but don't you know realize, what? I mean, in Canada, sorry to interrupt, Sammy, but I'm yeah, going no to problem. interrupt you because I'm, <laughs> I'm feeling a little rude tonight. Um, but in Canada, being a, a journalist, uh, you don't pay any taxes whatsoever. It's like funding your own religion. Uh, that's a gr- that's the main reason why most of us uh, either are religious fanatics or journalists those are the only two people you'll meet in canada yes the majority of canadians are just those two things um well for the people who you can probably guess by the name of the the podcast which is the unnamed automotive podcast i'll plug it once again because you haven't been listening to it for the past uh, few moments but we're just going to talk about cars because that's what we do here and uh, we have a couple of new cars to talk about as well as um there was a there was a an auto show in chicago and we can also discuss some of the news that popped out of that place, um, which isn't the most exciting, but it's worth talking about. What I I I'd, th- I'd say so. What about you, Ben? Uh sure, yeah, 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 sure, <laughs> sure, sure. Oh, wait, uh, uh, I, I kind of spaced out there, uh, Sammy. Um, <laughs> but yes, yeah, please go ahead with what you were about to introduce. Uh, so the first thing we'll talk about, will I'll swing it to you, Ben. You had um, a new vehicle, a new sedan from the Big Blue. Wait, and just, I believe just just straight up. I'm interrupting you again. Are we going to ignore the fact that the Chicago Auto Show is happening right now? No, I clearly said I clearly said that, but when you spaced out. <laughs> okay, that's good. It's all yes. right. We, so, have, we are a professional podcast. We are a professional pair of podcasters and journalists who listen to each other. And uh, sorry for everyone who's tuning out right now because they <laughs> they feel like this is just a random uh, um, stuff's just falling out of our brains into the microphone. But yeah, Sammy's right. I, I do have a Blue Oval product in my driveway this week, and it's a Blue Oval product that I was so excited to drive, I turned down a Porsche that I was offered in its place because I've been waiting for months to drive this vehicle. <clears throat> oh, and it's, it's, I, I can, know, it's I not can a, guess it. I can guess it. Can what you guess car it? would you turn down a Porsche for? It has to be uh, a Ford GT? No, it's not a GT, but is that's it, a good it, guess. Is it a Mustang uh, GT350R? It's not. It's not is, either of those is, things. It's nor is it a Raptor. Oh, it must be a Focus RS. It's it's not a Focus RS. Hmm, you're really hurting me here, man. Is it? Um, I got nothing. What else could it be? What could you turn down a Porsche for um, it, to uh, test this week? I I I neglected. Uh, I, I I shunted the Porsche to later this year. As much as I'm interested in driving it, I I've had this on the schedule for for months. It's the Ford Fusion Sport. Ooh, okay. This and is an interesting the, vehicle. This that's a, the sound of hundreds of people tuning out. <laughs> this, they might have made the same. No, this is a new vehicle from Ford. And not only that, it's a very unique vehicle in the class, uh, which is mainstream um, midsize sedan, right? So why don't you give me a quick introduction? What makes the Fusion Sport? 
Well, you know, the Fusion, it's, it's one of the older designs on the market. It's been around for a while, but it's a good design. And it's one of the few midsize, for quite a while, it was one of the few midsize sedans that was affordable, that was also decent to drive. Um, I'm not saying it was a sports sedan, but I am saying that it wasn't boring to put through some corners. It never really had a ton of power, though, because none of the cars in that class really have a ton of power. I know I say not a ton. Most of the vehicles now, they hover just under 300, like 275, 250. That's great for a commuter car, and we would have killed for that 15 years ago. But Ford really upped the ante with the Sport because what they did was take the 2.7-liter EcoBoost, it's a twin-turbo V6, and stuff it under the hood and give the vehicle standard all-wheel drive. So This, this is interesting. This is really interesting because... Uh, it's very rare to find a, a six-cylinder engine in this segment. I think the only the only vehicle, sorry, a six-cylinder all-wheel drive vehicle in this segment, and the only cars that could offer that was the uh, Subaru Legacy and the now-dead Chrysler 200. Yes, it, that's that's a really good point. The, the other V6s you can get are from uh, Honda with the Accord. Uh, the Altima still offers a V6, and the Camry have a V6, but they're all that 276-some-odd horsepower or maybe just under 300, mm-hmm. uh, and torque is, is much lower. They're, they're not really torque machines, even though they have good displacement, 3.5 liters typically. Um, but this, this car is something else uh, because that 2.7-liter engine, which you will previously were able to get in vehicles like the Ford Edge and the Lincoln MKZ, um, these in the Fusion, it offers 325 horsepower, which is nice, mm-hmm. but 380 pound-feet of torque. Uh, that's, that's massive. That's it, really it is massive. There's nothing that comes close to touching it in the segment, domestic, import, whatever. You're you're, you're even you know at this point, you're producing more torque than a top-line BMW 3 Series mm. with with the uh, turbocharged um, inline-six that's offered by that car. So it's this is a straight-up knockout punch from Ford that says, hey, we basically have the biggest, uh, baddest engine in the segment. If you want power, if you want straight-line speed, you're going to be buying the Fusion Sport. And, and they're right. It, it does 60 in 5.1 seconds, which is impressive for uh, a sports sedan. And mm-hmm. particularly one like the Sport, which is really not that expensive. Uh, in the U.S., it retails for around 40000 And um, I think that's even with you know a, f- a few decent features added in. I'm not sure the exact starting price. But it's, it's, it's kind of a wow vehicle. It's kind of something no one really expected uh, Ford to build. It really does fill in uh, a really interesting gap in the segment between the mainstream midsize sedans and the entry-level uh, luxury sedans, don't you think? I think so. It, it's also a size thing because, you know, the Fusion is a, is a midsize, mm-hmm. but it's not really that much bigger than a 3 Series or an A4 because those cars have really grown mm-hmm. in recent years. And um, I think it would be disingenuous to compare the the ride of the Fusion to a European sports sedan because right. it's still the same front-wheel drive bias platform. It, it still drives nicely, but it's not engaging like a sports car. It is extremely quick, however. Uh, you hammer this thing, and it goes off the line, on the highway. The power is impressive. I've always liked the 2.7-liter engine. It's one of my favorite of the EcoBoost family. I like it way more than the four-cylinder. I wish that they had this engine in the Mustang, and we'll never get that. <laughs> but it would be nice. Um, 
in any case, I, I've enjoyed my time with the car. What I don't like is the fake engine noise that's pumped into the car every time I hit the gas pedal, especially when I'm in sport mode. It's, it seems like it's even louder then. Uh, other than that, though, um, this is a nice little Q-ship. This is a car that no one sees coming. No one expects the Fusion. No one even looks at the car. Like, right. Style-wise, it's not that different from a regular Fusion. There's a few touches. It's, mine's painted very bright blue. It has, you know, the wheels and, and the. I think, I'm not sure if the ride height is different, but it seems to have more of a stance. But still, it's it's a good-looking car that most people will ignore until you're blowing their doors off at the stoplight. And I've always really, really been into that. <laughs> um, I think the only really visual cues that people can tell, uh, or that will that will point people in the way to the, this being a sport, is the quad tailpipes and maybe a lower uh, intake on the in the front area or a lower grill. Uh, I don't think the other fusions have something like that as pronounced as this vehicle. And you want to hear something even crazier than that 5.1 second 0 to 60? It'll do the quarter mile in 13.7 seconds. Okay. Well, that is kind of impressive. I've, I've taken this car for maybe a few laps around uh, Ford's test track. And what I noticed about it was the suspension was really uh, was pretty settled. It was really, um, I, w- I won't call it perfectly planted, but it was, sup- it was better than the last regular Fusion that I've driven. Um, and I understand that's because of a continuously controlled damping. Uh, system, which is a lot like what they use in the Lincoln MKZ and uh, other Lincoln vehicles. So it's interesting to see that kind of trickle down to the Ford lineup. Oh, uh, by the way, I think I misspoke earlier when I said this engine was available in the MKZ. I think it's I think it's the MKX actually that has it, or the MKC. Uh, those are the crossovers, not the not the sedan. I'm not sure if it's available in the uh, the Lincoln sedan. Come to the think s- of it. The sedan has I think the sedan has a slightly different output, making. 400 horsepower well it's it's a different motor it's a it's a three liter liter instead of a 2.7 yeah so that that that, that's so that's you know more listeners tuning out because i don't know what i'm talking about but um, or they were shouting into their into their speakers or headphones it's not the mkz damn it how much should i pay for this podcast oh god i want my bandwidth back you'll never Um, get it and you're being charged for that bandwidth okay well anything else you want to say about that what about the pricing of this vehicle well i I mentioned it's around forty thousand, i believe um Mm -hmm. I think that that's for what you're getting, for the considering that you can't really get it anywhere else. Um, I think that's reasonable. It's going to be a special kind of buyer because I'm not sure how many people are really looking for a super fast fusion, but I'm sure there are some out there. I don't think that there's no market for this car. I think that it's uh, it's a really nice stealth addition to the fusion lineup, and I wish more co- car companies would do this. Uh, who wouldn't want a, a Malibu with uh, big horsepower? Who wouldn't want an Accord with big horsepower? I think that it's, you know, there's really no reason not to do it in this era of turbocharged engines where you can pretty much just turn up the boost on a motor you already have and you've got a huge amount of torque that you can, you know, slam down in the lower rev range and make people feel like superstars when they accelerate from a light. Uh, That's a really, you know what, though? You bring up all these other vehicles, um, specifically something like the Accord and the Camry um, and the the legacy which has that flat six as well um those are all naturally aspirated engines and um i quite like some of the the throttle response in those two japanese vehicles i don't recall the legacy being particularly great but i do know that the accord and camry had these really nice um throttle response on those v6s can you talk to me about the 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 turbo lag perhaps in the 2.7 eco boost I haven't really noticed anything that, I mean, I'm not expecting it to be razor sharp because it's a family sedan, so I'm not really noticing uh, a lag off the line or on the highway. I'm sure there is a there is a little bit of time for spooling. 
uh, when I drove the MKC with this engine, I believe it was the MKC, I didn't have an issue with that. Most of the EcoBoost engines are pretty good at not having too much lag. The other thing too, though, you know, you mentioned those other cars and, and you got me thinking the Altima, which was a car that was once very sporty and is now not sporty whatsoever. Um, you know, Sorry, I hope Nathan doesn't get offended that I didn't mention them with the rest of the V6 crop. <laughs> well, you know, uh, the Maxima, is a is a decent oh, car yeah. to drive that's decently quick not exactly a sports sedan but a great looking car and one of the best interiors in its class and then you go to the Altima and you kind of expect something similar and you're not really getting that I haven't been in a, I haven't been in the current model year Altima but all this talk about adding a, a big torquey engine to these these platforms you really wouldn't want to do it without all-wheel drive because it mitigates a lot of the torque steer that mm-hmm. you would experience with 380 pound feet uh, flowing to just the front wheels. Uh, so that, that's kind of another consideration. I don't know if anyone really wants a 325 horsepower, 380 pound foot of torque front wheel drive car. No, I don't. I think you're. I think you're right on that. Uh, I don't think anyone would be. In fact, I think it would be a, hand, a headache to even handle. Um, but uh, and if you were to give it all uh, front wheel drive, you wouldn't be able to really get that 5.1 uh, second. 60 time right it would be harder you'd have to have the right tires and you you know it would be probably really temperature and weather dependent well speaking of temperature and weather though this has to be a pretty solid car for driving this snow, no yeah it's not bad I, I haven't really noticed any um outstanding issues you know snow snow driving is mostly a function of tires in any case mm-hmm. uh, but i haven't had any traction problems with the car uh, you can kick the tail out if you want to if you if you have a sufficiently slippery environment, but like I said, you know it's still a fusion underneath. It's still it's not intended to be hanging off its fingernails from the very edge of the performance um, cliff. It's it's meant to be fun and and engaging, and I think it uh, serves that purpose. Can I just bother you real quick for an, a comment on the interior of the vehicle? I believe the 2017 fusions have gotten a slight refresh inside, and they look a little bit classier. Is that is that am I making things up? I like the seats. They're like a combination cloth and I guess it's a suede material. Um, I I prefer that to, you know, you get into so many leather cars these days, uh, it, you get a little leather sick It's or maybe just leather <laughs> tired. Uh, not everything has to have leather. And especially in the winter and in the summer, these seats aren't as extreme in terms of their temperature when you first get into the car. So that's nice. And I have one more really strange question, but I think this is something that you uh, would be able to comment on because you you live in a, in a place that is notorious for poor roads or potholes. Um, that continuously controlled damping technology is supposed to have pothole detection. Have you <laughs> noticed this? Okay, at all? so this is funny because when I picked up the car, they mentioned pothole detection. I have absolutely no idea how it works. I have no idea if it's working. In my opinion. This this kind of system would just paralyze the car in a city like Montreal, which is essentially like the surface of the moon or Mars in terms of the craters that you see. So I have not yet, um, I haven't felt anything happen. Um, I haven't felt a twinge of the pothole recognition system. I need to look more into it and uh, test it out on the weekend. I have a few more days left with the car. But no, so far there's been no um, revelatory moments with uh, this new system. Okay. Well, I'll t- I'll I'll switch from your car into my car. What do you say? Are you ready to Are you ready to talk about something a little less exciting? I have a question. Yeah, but uh, I want to just follow up on the question. This pothole system. Do you know how it works? Do you know if it uses cameras or if it just uses suspension travel measurements or what? What's the deal? I have no idea how it works. Um, because the cameras have been essentially useless because of all the snow. Yeah. I I mean I have no interest. I have no idea how this could possibly work. I, it just doesn't. 
Well, because you know how how uh, Mercedes has the magic body control. Yeah. Which is still one of my favorite <laughs> favorite all caps letters uh, <laughs> technologies to have emerged from Mercedes Benz. But they use a camera to look at the road ahead and and see if there's any um, imperfections or potholes and whatnot. And then they adjust the suspension accordingly. They're able to predict when it's going to happen. So mm-hmm. that that's what made me think about the, the the whole question of cameras. I don't think it uses cameras. I maybe it would use sensors more, but I'm not I'm not sure at all. Uh, and I, I'll stop I'll stop theorizing and just jump into my car. What do you say? Is that okay? All right, let's do, let's do it. All right, listen to this. I had myself into a 2017 Toyota Corolla IM. What do you think of that? I have no response. You shouldn't have a response because this is the formerly known Scion IM hatchback. Um, And for 2017, Scion is no more. And they've given this car a Toyota Corolla nameplate and stuck the letters IM at the end of it. Um, And this is essentially a Corolla hatchback. I think that's that's cool. I mean, I missed the Corolla hatchback. We had one for years and then it disappeared and was replaced by what? A a number of different vehicles that never quite filled its shoes. Uh, This is most this car is mostly the replacement for the Matrix, which is a car I think was maybe not loved, but um, appreciated by the consumers. People bought these things in in high volumes. They a, a, a Corolla hatchback was popular in places where hatchbacks were popular. And not, uh, not only that, the Matrix was also available with all-wheel drive, which is unheard of in that segment at the time. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you, with a GM sorry. badge. Yeah, that's right. What, Pontiac Vibe? Is that what <laughs> that's, it was? That's right. Um, so now they've ditched the, the, extra, the extra badges and gave it right back to Toyota. But uh, really, this is an interesting vehicle um, in no particular way. It is 100% a very average car. Um, if anyway, uh, I the the number of things that disappoint me about it in comparison to the rest of the segment um, is what surprised me the most. It had um, really disappointing uh, driving dynamics, but that's what you you're you're okay with in this segment. I mean, most people are buying these cars just to get uh, from work and back home. Yeah, um, I mean, it's it's not. I mean, the Corolla for the last 20 years in any case hasn't been engaging to drive whatsoever absolutely and this is exactly the same way um which is completely fine like you said exactly you know what it's a little disappointing after driving some of the other um more engaging and buttoned down vehicles in this um class things like the mazda 3 the volkswagen golf um and ford focus yeah the ford focus is super sharp and fun um and this is not at all like that this is far more um leisurely the steering, the steering is really light. Uh, that's the best way I can put it. It's super light. It's nice in the city, great in the parking lots, but on the highway it needs a lot of adjustment. Um, it's always wandering, and that's a that's a huge bummer. The thing that I will give it some praise for is the uh, suspension setup is pretty well um, it's pretty well sorted. It didn't feel particularly too floaty, and it definitely wasn't stiff. So I I was quite comfortable with it. Um, my vehicle was a six-speed manual model, which sounds like a good idea, but this has to be the worst manual transmission I've ever used in my life. Worse than the uh, worse than you know those pickup truck transmissions. Oh my God! Yeah, man. This really? Is, yeah, this is. Uh, not only are the are the gears completely, um, the 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 gates are totally undefined. It's super sloppy to shift. The clutch pedal has a ton of throw. I mean, a ton of. Um, What's the word I'm looking for? A ton of travel and um, zero bite point or feedback or, or it's it just like, boom, it's in, so, it, I, I actually stalled this car more more times than I could like am willing to admit. 
What was the what's the alternative uh, other than the six speed? Is it a CVT or is it a traditional automatic? It's a CVT that is slightly more fuel efficient, getting one more mile per gallon in combined uh, driving s- situations. Okay. Um, and I would probably recommend that because this car isn't very powerful, and I think the CVT will allow for that to, to all of that engine power to get um, put to use. Here's what it makes. Are you ready for this? Yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready. The suspense is killing me. 137 horsepower and 126 pound-feet of torque. That, that's par for the course for the Corolla, though. I mean, the Corolla was at that that plateau for years and years and years. What, what's the regular Corolla now? Are they not sharing the same engine? I think they are sharing the same engine. But what bugs me is that, you know, I don't know if you are if you shared the sentiment with maybe the, um, the Subaru for uh, Sorry, the Subaru, what was that car called? The Impreza. That uses a two-liter engine that made 140 or 150 horsepower, and that wasn't enough for most people. Well, this, no, with the CVT, the, it feels pokey. Um, there's and, no question. And this car not only makes less, but makes uh, only 126 pound-feet of torque. It but it's lighter. Like, it's it's lighter, and it doesn't have all-wheel drive. I mean, that helps, right? Yeah. Please tell me. About, please tell me it helps. <laughs> it's about it's about 3,000 pounds, which is um, I would say it's about average for this class. Maybe less than average. I think that's good. Um, and I'm, I'm telling you, it was one of the most, it was one of the the, the weakest things I've ever I've ever test driven in my in my career. Now, do you um, think people do you think people care because I, the reason I say that is you know the Impreza doesn't have a lot of horsepower, the Sentra doesn't have a lot of horsepower, mm-hmm. and these are bread and butter cars. They're they're intended for commuting. They're intended to be affordable, and like you said, suspension wise, they're intended to be comfortable. Mm-hmm. So I I'm not sure whether people who are buying these cars realize that there's that that there's something better or quicker, or that they even really want something quicker. I I think I agree with you on that. I think. Um, they don't. They might not really care until they probably tr- drive a, a competing product. If they drive an Elantra, if they b- drive a Kia Forte or a Mazda three or um, a Golf, they'll notice immediately. Uh, yeah, that's a good dif- point. The difference in 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 power. And do you um, think to, Toyota gets away with this because the reputation for reliability and the do as you're told and buy a Corolla? Do you think like that that plays into it? I kind of do. Let me let me just finish summing up some of this car. The interior is uh, is pretty well sorted. It's a really good blend of uh, of a nice place to be, and there's some hidden cheap stuff, uh, really cheap hard plastics, which is to be expected again in this class. But it comes with a lot of features. It has a touchscreen audio system. Um, my Canadian model had a um, some heated seats, dual zone automatic climate control, um, automatic headlights, and um, forward collision warning, backup camera, lane keep assist, uh, not assist, but departure lane departure warning. Um, and the more interesting thing about this is that there's only one trim level. It's a holdover from like when they were a Scion, and there was only one version of the car you could buy, and that yeah. was it. No options, no nothing. So it comes. With all of this stuff, uh, no options. The only option is the, is the transmission, and that's it. Now, how much do you think this would be? In the U.S.? Yeah, because I have the price, and it, this is the only redeeming feature to this car is the price. And it's before t- before destination is less than 20, 20 grand. Okay. And I think that's the redeeming factor right now. So you're, you, as you said, you're getting a car that is perceived as being super reliable, and that engine, like I said, that really, that really um, 
that really slow 1.8 liter four cylinder engine has been around forever. And I trust Toyota that this this car has been this engine has been thoroughly uh, tested. It people know what they're getting with it, uh, and it's going to last for a while. And the rest of the car is really well buttoned down as well. I mean, I'm not seeing any any I'm not hearing any rattles. I'm not seeing anything that looks like it'll it'll fall apart in a matter of uh, of years. And then you're getting it for just 20 grand, along with these other features that um, that help make that value uh, proposition much better. So so how much does a cruise hatchback cost? That's a great question. Uh, starting price is um, it's got to be. I feel I feel like it's in a similar price bracket, and I feel like you're getting a lot more power. You are getting a ton more power. Let me take a quick look here. Uh, I think the average cruise hatch might be around twenty six thousand. Like, and that's not even the the RS package. But let me take. Oh, really? I, I didn't know it was that expensive. Let me take a look. Because you know, I feel yeah, the cruise hatch starts at twenty two thousand. Okay, so for a couple grand more, mm-hmm. you end up you, you and, and you might not have the same level of features that you're getting from the Corolla, which does sound like it's really packed, especially when it comes to safety and infotainment. But um, yeah, I, I uh, you know, it's a traditional car. It's been a choice for for Toyota's been selling. I mean, it's one of the the Corolla is one of the best selling cars of all time. Mm-hmm. So it has a built-in buyer base, and I think that's a big reason why we see the drivetrain just being carried over year after year. People are comfortable, and, and like I said, this is the, Toyota has this reputation of of reliability, um, and I think that comes from having a product that can stand the test of time. And then once they've they've really ironed out all of the issues in a in a product, uh, especially just a component like the the transmission and the engine, they want to hold on to it because that's what people are buying it for, right? Yeah, well, and and you know, um, this wasn't the only uh, do as you're told reliable vehicle that you drove last week, was it? That's right. Actually, that's a great point. I drove the Honda CRV. Um, I was, which is another. Uh, it's a crossover this time, um, and it's kind of all new for for 2017. Kind, kind a, of all new. It has a new engine. I believe it's a new platform. Um, a really interesting new look, and um, it was it was a really it was a what's the best way to say this. I enjoyed my time in it, but I haven't spent enough time in some of the competing products to really, to really gush about it. Uh, and let me tell you what I really liked about it. And this is weird because a lot of people will call me crazy for saying that I liked the 1.5 liter turbocharged engine here, um, mainly because it doesn't sound like a huge increase over the regular 2.4 that the end, that the CRV used to have. So the the 2.4 made 184 horsepower, while the turbocharged engine makes 190. So that's okay. six more horsepower. Um, and the 2.4 made one more pound-feet of torque at 180, while the, the turbocharged engine makes 179. So the benefit here is strictly fuel economy. And uh, based on my, my, my time with it, it was very fuel efficient. Um, it's uh, rated to get about, two, let me see here. About 30 miles per gallon, 29 to 30 miles per gallon, uh, and I would I would bet that with careful driving you'd get much much more than that. And and the other thing too is that turbo engine lets them move the torque lower in the rev range, so it feels faster even if it's not. Yeah, and you know what I really enjoyed about this vehicle is the refinement. Um, this is something I've driven some some older CRVs uh, through the years in my in my time at. Uh, at Autoguide, and um, 
I would say at higher speeds, they didn't, there was a lot of noise. They felt like, um, you know, you could feel the wind kind of pulling on it. Um, and when you close the doors, you could kind of hear this really tinny sound to it. They didn't feel really refined, really finished. And this car, though, on the other hand, man, at, at speed, it was so stable. And I was very surprised at that. Um, and as a whole product, it felt solid. It felt like, a, I would say, even a German, a German or a European vehicle, which I think is, is praise. <laughs> I, I haven't driven the 2017. I've only driven the generation before. Um, one thing I want to ask you, does it still have lane watch? It doesn't. Mine did not have lane watch. Uh, instead, it had um, lane departure warning and blind spot assist. Um, See, that's, so Honda, that's sen- a- Honda sensing. Thank you so much, Honda, for getting rid of the lane watch feature, which is, in my opinion, one of the most distracting and poorly executed safety features on the market. I might argue with you on that um, at length at another time. I will say that <laughs> I, I did find it useful to know the, um, the the dimensions of your car in relation to other vehicles and, and the space around it. I thought it was really useful. But now it's not it's not here. You have to rely on your mirrors, which is perfectly normal. You should be doing that. And um, if you set up your mirrors properly, it covers your blind spot. That's right. Absolutely. Um, what else can I say about this car? The interior was the only disappointment I had for it. Um, there were some materials on it, some plastics that looked um, like they were stitched at first glance, but then it's just fake stitching. It's like injection molded, and that's kind of a bummer. And that's it. It's, that's that's my biggest uh, that's my biggest criticism with this vehicle. <laughs> Want uh, the real stitching? Yeah, um, I loved the the screens. They're these really nice uh, digital gauge clusters. Um, and Honda has put the volume knob back on the infotainment system. That is awesome to hear. Thank you, Honda. See, this is two great improvements already, technology and ergonomically, um, that had me excited kind of to drive the CRV at some point. Uh, I also appreciated the Android Auto, and other people will probably like Apple CarPlay if they use uh, Apple devices. Um, Additionally, the car still has a nice storage area um, in the center console, which is, I think, really appreciated. it's it's a really practical vehicle. The load floor in the trunk is in particular very low, um, so you don't have to you don't have to pull your back putting anything putting anything back there. And um, what I also like is uh, there's these little levers in the back that make folding the rear seats easier, so you can do it from the trunk rather than having to uh, run inside the car and fold the seats down again. And only to run out back to the trunk of the car to put whatever you're trying to load in there. So um, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop you right there on the CRV. Oh, okay. Unless you have something vital to add. It cost about thirty-five thousand dollars. Okay, I don't know if I qualify that as vital, but it's it's out there now. <laughs> um, because there was some other SUV news this week. Yeah. That I think that I think people are dying to hear because. <clears throat> I don't know if anyone has followed the podcast, noticed that for a while we were kind of on the Audi tip um, in terms of press releases and news, but it feels like uh, FCA has taken over the news cycle with some of their announcements of late, and uh, the last few weeks we've been talking Demon, but uh, this week we're not talking Demon, we're talking something else, something SUV-like, something demonically SUV-like. You're talking, of course, about the Dodge Durango. And uh, S- SRT Durango. 
SRT. What do those three letters do to the vehicle? Can you can you give me a summary real quick? Well, they give you a 6.4 liter V8 engine that produces, <laughs> I believe, 485 horsepower. Is that is that the number? Uh, Which, 475. 475. <laughs> so that's 100. 115 more than the Durango RT that I was driving last week. <laughs> 115 more, and it gives you a whopping amount of torque right up there. I think I think the torque number might be 475. I'm not sure exactly. It's 470 as well. It's 470. 470. Okay, so it's it's supposed to do 60 in the five second range. 4.4. What? 4.4. <laughs> yes, I didn't mean to wow. to interrupt you or surprise you. No, thank you, you for doing that. Surprise it, you live on the podcast. Basically, so the Grand Cherokee SRT is badass. It's it's my favorite of the SRT products. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Durango is, based, at its core, an extended version of the Grand Cherokee platform with, with a third row seating. So everything that you liked about the Grand Cherokee SRT has been ported over to the Durango, including the launch control, the seven different drive modes from SRT, and the all-wheel drive system. So you're getting this super fast in a straight line vehicle that weighs, I think, over 5,000 pounds. <laughs> and uh, it looks crazy. It's wider. It's got a big hood scoop. It's going to be available in 2018. There's absolutely no reason for this vehicle to exist. No one's asking for it. No one needs it. But it does exist, and that's cool. Didn't we say this last week? Like, this is what FCA does. And they're like, what are people not really into? But this is what we. This is all we can do with our with our old products. Well, okay. they, they, you know, <laughs> it's it's... It's creative use of platforms. It, it, it got them in the news cycle a full mm-hmm. year before production. Uh, we're talking about the, the the Rango now, and we're talking about the the, the Challenger with the Demon. Mm-hmm. So it's working. I mean, that money is money well spent. And you know what? They'll sell everyone they build because the Grand Cherokee SRT is extremely popular. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that the Durango, I looked in the sales figures just the other day. It outsells um, the Expedition. It outsells the Yukon. It outsells the Armada. The only vehicle it doesn't outsell in its class is the Tahoe. And even that, is, it's not that far behind. So it's it's a very popular seller, and you add this kind of dimension to it, and I think there's going to be some RT buyers who want the next step up. Okay, how about this added uh, this added thing to to it's like the it's like the prize in the cereal box right now. All customers who buy a Durango SRT will receive one full day session at the Bob Bondurant School of High Performance Driving. I think that comes with every SRT vehicle. <laughs> how sweet is that? I've actually been to that school. But now you can do it. Do you think they'll have Durango SRTs for you to learn how to drive them, or you'll get to pick uh, you your know- own? That's a good question because I went to the SRT school there in the in the spring, um, and there were no SUVs on the track, but there was everything else. Not even a so, not even a Jeep. No, Aww. no, not on the track. Um, you mentioned another car that might compete with this, the Expedition. What, what do you mean might compete with it? It's not going to compete with the SRT model. Okay, you're right. But um, there is a new expedition that has arrived. What do you think of That's that? That's correct. That is correct. I did I did hear about I heard something about that at the Chicago Auto Show, which I think is happening right now. Is, is it happening right now, Sam? That is happening right now. It's one of the most popular auto shows in the country. Um, one of the most well-attended ones, I will say. And it's a chance for automakers to show off just um, some of the newer stuff that they've got. And uh, they usually also show us some new trim levels and uh, refreshes. Um, but this is an all-new car, the Expedition. It's also 300 pounds lighter because of um, aluminum, uh, pretty much like the F-150, and uh, will also be receiving a 10-speed automatic transmission, be, yes. which, is pe- which is paired to the turbocharged 3.5-liter uh, EcoBoost V6. Yeah, pretty much every uh, large Ford vehicle is going to be saddled with that transmission from now on. Mm-hmm. 
Well, um, I really don't know what to say. I, I, I drove the refreshed expedition when they put the 3.5 in it a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. It was fine. Uh, there's well, nothing wrong with it. Just it, fine. It's not a, well, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's not a, they, they sell 40, 50, 60,000 of these vehicles a year. That's, that's the, the, if you're not the Tahoe, that's kind of the ceiling for large traditional SUVs. That's in comparison to an F-150 that sells what what was the number we talked about last time? Seven hundred thousand, eight hundred thousand a year. It's 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 a drop in the bucket. I mean, it's a nice profit source because it's not expensive to build, and um, I'm sure the margins are very high because they can load them with King Ranch and all sorts of cool luxury gear, and that really helps them make money. So it's it's a good profit center for them. But it's a, you just don't see these vehicles like you used to out on the streets. That's right. Um, the Chicago Auto Show also had the a, a pair of two other all new cars. Um, the Hyundai Elantra GT, which is essentially the new Elantra, but in hatchback form. And looking good, I might add. You do uh, think it looks good. Yeah, I think it's nice. I'm not sure about that. Uh, I'll take, I'll I'll, I'll let you say that. It's kind of like a Korean Golf. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Um, but this is, uh, this uses a turbocharged engine and, uh, I think it, oh no, it doesn't. Let me see. Well, get your facts straight, Sammy. Does it have it or does it not have it? Uh, there's two models, sorry. One with a turbocharged engine and one without. Uh, the turbocharged engine uses a 1.6 turbo 4 that you can find in the Veloster Turbo and the Elantra Sport. Um, and I think uh, I think I'll really enjoy driving one of these things, although I will have to get used to its looks, which I don't think are the most elegant. The, so intolerant of change. Maybe. the other The other car that showed up which I probably will never get the chance to drive, is an Audi R8 V10 Spider, And I don't think we had seen that before. And it's just basically a, a convertible R8. What do you think of that? I think people love the R8, and I think they're going to sell every one that they build. Like I said, with the uh, SRT Durango, I think it's a similar thing. It's a, it's a you know, if you want it, you're going to get it. And uh, the R8 has a really strong following. I actually always liked the R8, and at $176,000, it's a great it's a great purchase, this Spider version, right? <laughs> well, I don't know how to answer that. I, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. I mean, honestly, that was the big news from the Chicago Auto Show. It's not a, a very um, news-heavy show, but uh, the public always likes it because it's a very big show, like physically large, and they also have a lot of demonstrations of... Um, new cars there so people can yeah, it's, drive them it's around. Yeah, it's fun to go to. Yeah. It's def- it's, yeah, there's a crazy Jeep exhibit. There's a, there's a, it's funny. McCormick Place is a really nice venue and um, there's, there's, even if you're not into cars, there's like car related or even the Chicago Blackhawks do something there every year. They have like a booth set up. It's, it's a fun, fun afternoon, I think. Absolutely. Um, and I guess that's, uh, that's all the scoops. That's all the things that have been going on in the industry this week. What do you think? That's a, uh, that's a wrap. I think so. You know, we're kind of in the doldrums of uh, of winter. I mean, we're we're post Detroit, Chicago, like you said, is not really about huge updates, and we're waiting for New York to happen in the middle of April. So, uh, Geneva's on the way too in in the first week of March, and then things will heat up around then. I know that um, it might be the doldrums for product uh, unveils at shows, but um, for travel and for events, it's it's really crazy. February is packed. There's so much going on. Um, next week, I'm going to be going to Hawaii of all places. I've never been to Hawaii. And I'm excited to go there to drive the Lexus LC500, which is their top-tier sports car. Uh, I haven't – I've seen it in person. It's gorgeous. I'm very curious to see how it drives. And it's going to be an adventure. 
not only is it their top tier sports car, it's also one of the prettiest cars, I think, on the market. And you really have to give that, uh, I have to see that reaction of you really getting up close and uh, and full access to it, okay? Will definitely, you, will you definitely. Promise there's, a, there's, a, there's a hybrid model too, but I don't know if it's going to be at the event. I'm not sure if it's been built yet. And while you'll be having that for the week next, uh, next week, I'll also have a pretty coupe. Um, I'll have the Infiniti Q60. Um, which is their their two door, uh, I guess I just said it, the coupe, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and that's gonna have 400 horsepower and all wheel drive. Now I don't think the ones we tested way back uh, last year had all wheel drive, and I'm looking forward to driving it for a whole week. And in I think this they did. Weather, I think they. I I think all of the red sports have all wheel drive. I think it's standard. Uh, I don't think so. I think the ones in the U.S. can be had with rear wheel drive. Really? Yeah. Okay. Um, and that's it. That's that's all I can share right now. And you're well, right. I think that, there's a lot of travel coming up, um, uh, especially in March for me. And I'm looking forward to sharing all of those details with you guys uh, as they come. But and if you if you have any details you want to share with us, we've added a new aspect to our media empire. You can go to Facebook now if you want to connect with Unnamed Automotive Podcast. Just look that up in your Facebook search bar, and you'll find our page. And we we okay, we you know. We add a visual element, the, not necessarily our faces because no one needs to see that, but we have pictures of the cars that we're driving and places we've been, and uh, you can hook up, up with us on Facebook that way. You can still get us on Twitter. Um, Sammy is at Sammy underscore ha, like you're laughing, and I'm at Hunting Benjamin. Mm-hmm. Or you can uh, find us. Where, where, um, we're on the web too, aren't we, Sammy? Yes, we are. We're at unnamedautomotivepodcast.com, which will take you to our SoundCloud page. Um, and you can subscribe to us on iTunes and Google Play Music. And if you could do me a favor, uh, like us on Facebook and uh, give us a, a review if you have the time on iTunes. That would really go a long way in helping uh, us reach a, a broader audience and make new friends uh, here in the podcast world. Because we're oh so lonely. Yes. Oh, oh so lonely. And we are we are really looking into getting um, some guests uh, onto the show. And if you have any interest in being a guest on the show, why don't you hit us up on one of those um, ways of reaching us, which is uh, Twitter or on Facebook, and um, maybe we can we can arrange that. That'd be fun. And if you have any suggestions of topics that you want us to discuss or people you want us to talk to, let us know, and we can hook those interviews up as well. Because, you know, we, uh, we're we lucky to cross paths with a lot of very interesting people, and we'd love to bring them to our audience. That's right. And for now, I will have to say goodbye, and I want to thank you for listening. And Ben, what would you like to say to the folks? I'd like to thank them for listening, too. And uh, if you're not subscribed, please subscribe, because there's more good stuff in the coming weeks. Was that ending really formal for you? Should we just say, see you later? You can say whatever you want, because I'm just going to edit it out anyway. Oh, okay. Well, I hope everyone listening has stopped listening at this point, and that they have a great time and listen to us next week. Bye now. (laughs) Bye-bye.